Welcome to ClearCast. I'm your host, Tim Dukeman. I'm here with, of course, Pastor Dave and our producer, Martin. And ClearCast is a ministry of Glenwood Church in West Indianapolis. And so today we're, we're actually going to talk about how to guard yourself against fornication and adultery um, and talk about why the Bible spends so much time warning us about the adulterous woman. And so, Pastor Dave, I know you have eight boys, um, one, one still uh, on the way, but um, are any of them dating yet? No. No, they're not dating, not currently. Um, I have had to, we have talked about it a lot at my house. Uh, they are, there are a number of ways in which they are out of step with their friends. And mm. this is one of them, is that they're not, they're not dating. So I've got three teenage sons, um, 16, 15, and uh, 13. Well, maybe there's a reason 16-year-olds don't have to be dating. I don't know. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I've... Well, that's the age that you know everything, so that'd be the time to date. Yeah, that's right. No. It's all downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to them about when I describe dating to them. I know we're we're going to get toward adultery and these types of things, but when I talk to them about dating, I said, you know, dating is like the impulses that lead you to into a relationship. God put in you, mm-hmm. and they're good, though they're corrupted by the fall. They're good. They get really destructive when they don't have a natural outlet, Mm -hmm. meaning that the relationship can't progress toward um, physical intimacy, Mm -hmm. which I I think should go without saying with a teenager, but you know, kid in high school. I mean, I suppose you could argue and say, well, the 18 year old in their second semester who doesn't want to go to college and is about to get married. Okay, fine. Granted point taken, but there are exceptions. You probably don't have one. Yeah, most of the kids that are dating are not uh, planning to get married later, mm-hmm. immediately after they get out of high school. Right. And and so what I've said to my kids is, dating is like starting a car. Yep. And <laughs> a, a manual car and putting it in first gear and starting to drive down the road, mm-hmm. but not being able to shift it into second or third right. gear. And yet, it's supposed to perpetually go faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, when you you know, if you're going to drive, you know, five, ten, maybe fifteen miles an hour, you can do that in first gear. Mm-hmm. Starts to get a little loud when you get into, <laughs> you know, fifteen more plus miles an hour, but you can do it. But if you try to get on the highway in that car, like <laughs> you're just going to blow up the engine because mm-hmm. it's not designed. You need to shift. Right. And relationships have that same component. Like they need to be able to shift in um, formality and in seriousness. Right. And when they're not able to, uh, the pressures don't subside mm-hmm. and it often leads to fornication. Yeah. When I worked in, worked with youth groups, I would always tell the, ki- the kids, if you're not ready to, to be married two years from today, you should not be dating today. And yeah, there, there just reach a, it reaches a point in every relationship where you either need to get married or break up, yeah. and and that that's the that's the the fork you're at in the road, and um, and I think there's there's some there's something <laughs> really broken about <coughs> these people who date for seven years. Like there's that that's not healthy in a lot of a lot of ways. But I, no, no, <laughs> it was I did not happen to be in this particular service, but I was when I was in a particular uh, part of denomination, and there was a. There was a guy that had dated a lady for years and years and years. Like, mm. 
maybe 10 years. Oh my. And he was there at that service with his girlfriend. We're talking a couple that are like now in their thirties or something. Mm -hmm. He's still living with his mother. And the speaker for the event, a religious event, was a psychiatrist. And there was a Q&A where people could put anonymous questions in. Mm-hmm. And somebody, as a, kind of some kind of a sick joke, had put in there, what would you tell somebody who was still dating, like, the same girl 10 years later and had and <laughs> he answered very transparently that he thought maybe he needed to see a doctor and just, like, having no idea that the oh, person man. was actually sitting in the congregation, like just oh, dear. they had to be dying. I don't know. It was it was an insane. Well, that's a mess for a number of reasons, but yeah, for sure. But yeah, so yeah, I think that fornication. And we're just we're just completely surrounded by it, and the mm-hmm. expectation, even a lot of ways within the church, is that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of a lot of firm resistance to fornication. Um, yeah. And so I think when you're talking about, uh, how to guard yourself against adultery when you're married, because if you ask anybody like, Hey, do, do you, um, what would you, what are your thoughts about adultery? If you were married, like, how do you think that would affect you? Like everyone would say, like, if there's anything I could avoid, mm-hmm. I'd want to avoid adultery right. myself, my spouse, like, mm-hmm. Like I would, that, that would be the most devastating thing that could happen to our relationship. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, it seems to follow then that figuring out how to avoid that would be really important. Mm -hmm. And so fornication is the predecessor to adultery. Um, Really, they're both predicated on a lack of, there are other things that go into it, but a lack of Mm self-control, a lack of, um, Faith and trusting God to provide for you, um, impatience, mm-hmm. uh, selfishness. There's all kinds of things that can um, contribute to it. But this is—it's one. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm surprised when I meet a couple that has made effort to be pure and to not have to not be um, sexually involved in some way or that has set up boundaries to to prevent. Uh, sexual sin before they get married. I'm, I'm, I'm always arguing and advocating for that pretty mm-hmm. forcefully and strongly um, with dating and engaged couples, because uh, I find that they just, the, they, they, no one, no one's been doing, no one's been teaching them in this area how to avoid the, the, the dangers. And really, I, I've come to think that that fornication and adultery, sexual sin, are the most destructive sins that you can commit. Like they will leave mm-hmm. the worst. Uh, fallout and destruction. Open that up a little bit. Like, what do you mean by why are they so much more destructive than other sins? Well, in part, it has to do with, I mean, just the sexual act, the intimacy, the knowledge of it. I mm-hmm. mean, you might forget. Uh, there's a lot of things that t- time can kind of um, soften in terms in your in terms of your memory, but sexual sin seems to it just never seems to the the memory of it the whether it's the guilt or the shame or the pain that does not seem to go away or lessen in Mm -hmm. over time well what does paul say says every other sin is is without the body body. Mm -hmm. yeah but But this this sin is is a man who sins in this way sins against his own body Mm -hmm. yeah and so and and you think of 
what sins that, I mean, what other sins can you commit that have such a devastating effect? I mean, this, mm-hmm. I mean, the Lord, the Bible says that God hates divorce, and yet adultery is one of the two and probably the primary reason that God gives to say, like, the marriage is, can be, it can, may, may end in divorce here mm-hmm. because it's so destructive and right. it's hard to come, very hard to come back from, and it leaves such devastation devastation in its wake and so yeah uh, what i think about is the procreative aspect of sex makes this different because if you think about whether fornication or adultery a lot of times that ends in a pregnancy and then you have a person who didn't exist before this act and so there is that permanency there of -hmm. that person now exists because (coughs) no other sin would create would bring a an eternal, right. an eternal being into existence. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so guarding yourself against it, um, it seems to be this, the, it's the type of sin that gets a hold of you more quickly than mm-hmm. others. That it let, it's harder to shake. Yeah. Um, so you said earlier that there were, <clears throat> you were always impressed when you met a young couple that were taking steps to guard against this sin and it's the most destructive sin. And so what what are like three things that you would say just right off the top, like, or if there's more or less, things that you would see as the the prime ways that those young couples guard themselves against this kind of sin that you look on and say, that's admirable. You mean like a dating couple? Someone's yeah. not yeah. married. A, d- a dating, an unmarried couple. Yeah. Um, things that would be admirable. Um, physical boundaries. And, and what I mean by that is like that they've actually discussed and agreed upon what would be what the limits limits are, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm saying that I don't mean to say, oh, well, they both agree. If they both agree that that making out on the couch in the dark and touching each other all over is acceptable, then that then that's okay. That's not what I mean, right? But I mean that they that they, they have reasonable boundaries that they've that, set that up. Yeah. Prioritize holiness. Yeah, I mean, I said to one of I I got a really strange look from one of my kids recently. We were talking about this, and I told them, I said, you know, you uh. You won't miss anything if you don't kiss your wife until your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Like you will not be, you will not miss out on anything good mm-hmm. by waiting. And they just looked at me like, "What?" Like I had a third eyeball, and I'm like, "I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. like you can fall into sexual sins. Like I, I can tell you that there are people who regretted the kissing before they were married, mm-hmm. and I've never met the couple that didn't that regretted the not kissing before they were married. Right. Yeah. So take it. For what it's worth, listen, mm-hmm. please. But mm-hmm. so when I'm saying physical boundaries, like I'm saying, yeah, there should be very little physical contact um, between the man and the woman before they're married, yeah. not just before they're engaged, but before they're married. One of the one of the rules or, or sort of litmus tests I'd give them is like, would you do that, whatever it is, in front of her father or in front of your pastor? Mm. Um, there's a really funny story um, when Vanessa and my wife and I were when the night I was proposing we one of the one of the boundaries we had set up was that we would never be alone by ourselves together hmm. so what that meant was we would never hang out in her apartment 
when her roommate wasn't there. Her roommate was rarely there. So we just were like, well, we'll just never hang out at your apartment. I will come pick you up. I'll drop you off. But we like, I'm never going to set foot inside your apartment. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. we can go somewhere else. Yeah. And we would go somewhere else, a public place. And then it would just be the two of us, but you're much less likely to yeah. be tempted when you're sitting in a public space mm-hmm. on a college campus than you are if you're alone in an apartment and you know, there's no one around. Um, anyway, so the night that, we were going to propose. I, we went through our normal routine. I went and picked up my wife uh, from orchestra practice and we had dinner. And then we went over to um, the IMU, the Indiana Memorial Union. It's basically just the commons where people hang out. There's chairs and tables and just places to sit down, study, whatever. And I said, let's go for a walk. So we would always just sit in the commons area. And so we, we took the elevator up to the top floor of the tower, the hotel, and then took the stairs up to the the, the the very very top floor and there's nothing up there except like old rooms uh, old uh like lounge rooms and stuff mm-hmm. there's no people mm-hmm. i actually wanted to go onto the roof but the roof hatch was locked and so i couldn't get onto the roof <laughs> so we went into this old study had a fireplace there's no fire but had a fireplace and leather couches and a beautiful view of the city and all this nice mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and we are the only people the only people there mm-hmm. And I was waiting for her to kind of get the hint that something out of the ordinary was going on, which she was getting, but the out of ordinary thing was that we were alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, um, she was very uncomfortable because we had agreed that that was something we weren't going to do. And so she's like, what in the world's going on? (laughs) And I'm just kind of like, trying. let's like, I'm going to propose. So I'm trying to play it cool. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, let's just sit down. And she's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, come on. It'll be okay. Just for a little bit. Just come sit down. Like, And I was waiting for the light to go off. In my mind, I was waiting for her to be like, this is really out of character. Maybe something's going to happen. Maybe something's going on. That didn't happen. Oh, no. And so eventually I got her to sit down or where, like in the room. Because I was afraid at one point she was just going to walk out and leave. Yeah. Oh, no. Leave me there. And I'm like, well, that would be a, a different type of engagement story. <laughs> You know, not that she was angry, but she was just like, this is like, this is not what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I was, we were just ta- sitting and talking and she said, would you, you know, we had given, given my past, especially, um, there was a, there was reason for us to have these boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, if we had a daughter, would you let her do this? Like go alone, be alone with a guy sitting alone in some dark room where there's nobody gonna come by. And I said, I'm left being like, well, if, under under normal circumstances, the answer is no. I would not want this to be what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But but I couldn't say that because. <laughs> I mean, so I said, well, if I trusted the guy, and he had a good reason, I would allow it, which just completely. <laughs> did not compute. And so then she asked about um, a similar question with regard to the, to the elders or the pastors or someone that we were close to, mm-hmm. father figure. And she's like, what would, you know, would you tell, you know, fill in the blank, Joe, would you tell Joe about, you know, us being alone up here together? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and again, she's like, what she didn't know is I'd already told Joe that I was, was going to be say. proposing. So Joe already knew that I was going to be proposing. 
and was very excited about it. How long did it take you to actually do it? We were, I'm like, imagine this extremely awkward. It was very, I, I felt very awkward. And he's just waiting, you're just waiting for the awkwardness to pass. Well, I'm just waiting for her to not get up and walk out and to figure wow. out how to get the ring out of my pocket without her noticing. Oh my goodness. Anyway, eventually, she never did pick up on that <laughs> there was something going on. And so then eventually, I... I just had her stand up. We were sitting on the couch. I said, stand up, turn around. So she turned around with her back to me. And I got down my knee and I got the ring out and I turned her back around. And I asked her to marry me. Said very sweet things, you know. And it was, she didn't, she didn't know what was gonna, what was going on. She didn't see it coming. It's really sweet. Aww. And she said yes and lots of happy. And we immediately left. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're not going to hang out and celebrate up here because that's probably not that probably wouldn't be a good idea. Uh-huh. So we left and we went to uh, a Chili's and graded papers for a class that she was teaching. I graded the papers. She admired her ring and called all her friends. <laughs> and you know what? This <laughs> just shows your story. age because yeah. nowadays we have to have a drone drone operator and a videographer and a photographer <laughs> to be there. To take to the pictures, to catch that special moment. Yeah, um, we're yeah, we're, we're older. <laughs> you know, your reactions are good enough. We're also yeah, on a budget for YouTube. Um, but yeah, that was and so we had these rules, boundaries, boundaries. and mm-hmm. it's not like well, chapter, show me the chapter and verse. And I was just like, I have not been perfectly pure in the past, and I want to be pure going forward. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna follow. We're gonna we're gonna impose these boundaries on ourselves. We've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. The boundaries that we propose that we that we put in place, they were mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. They set the they set a, a, a good trajectory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it provided a security and a framework for us to relate um in a way that was really helpful. It also took away the physical component of our relationship of the relationship so we could actually evaluate <laughs> whether or not we wanted to marry the person, one another, without the pressure of mm-hmm. having been entangled physically. Right. So number one, the number one thing is setting physical boundaries to avoid fornication. I think that's important. I think that's probably the, the top I think, of the list. Yeah, I think having having some boundaries, I think being involved with, uh, with other people, married couples are like, or engaged couples, dating couples, it's like they pair off and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you do have to spend some time getting to know each other. And I'm not dates. That's all good. Great. You know, do that stuff. No one has to be told to go on a date when they're dating. <laughs> but um, you need to spend time with other people okay. that, that know you, that know both of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that makes me nervous, this is, we're supposed to be talking about fornication and adultery. And here we are talking about cor- dating. Yeah. How to get toward engagement and marriage. Well, but yeah. But it's all, it, it is. It they're is, all interrelated. It is related. Yeah. And so what I want to see is that the people that are involved in her life get to know him uh-huh. and that the, guy, the people involved in his life get to know her. And I think that that's really important to be um, – for that to happen in the church context, in a church context. Yeah, right. Where your church – if you go to different churches where your church gets to know the one the person you're dating and vice versa. Sure. Um, well, it's yeah. kind of like when we've, when we've talked about entertainments, you were saying you can't just say, well, we're not going to do entertainment. We're not going to have entertainments because something will come in and fill that void, mm-hmm. <clears throat> make it something healthy. So you're saying it's probably not just enough to say we're, we're never going to be by ourselves. Well, then what are you going to do? It, if our topic today is 
is avoiding fornication and adultery, guarding ourselves against yep. the, the the strange woman or the adulterous woman. Yeah. Um, and you need to fill your life with things that help guard you. So when you're in a context where you're getting to know each other and also her friends are getting to know you, her support group is getting to know you, that creates another barrier, doesn't it? Yeah. And in helping to guard the two of you against against sexual sin. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that the friend group or the peer group or the church one of the things they will be keyed in on is whether you behave differently when you're around your boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because all of a sudden, if you know, if a group, if all your guy your guy friends are hanging out, and all of a sudden you bring your girlfriend around, and all of a sudden your behavior is completely different, they're going to notice it. Yeah, and they're going to be, you know, they may be like, "Man, what's she doing to you?" She's, or mm-hmm. they may, they may be. I mean, I suppose it could be a change for the better, but I'm thinking of it in terms of a change for the worse. In terms of like, you get really insecure or really timid or really bossy or really mm-hmm. controlling mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, those friends are, and family are going to see that from the outside and say, wait, your behavior changes. Why is it changing when you're around that person? Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't like, I, it should change. Mm-hmm. You should get like more happy, more cheerful, more excited, mm-hmm. more uh, serious about life. There's lots of changes that should take place, but those are the thing. Those changes are what um, family and friends are going to see. Yeah. And so those are the things that um, I'd like to. I like to. I like when I see in young couples. They're the things I also advocate for when before people are dating and when mm-hmm. once they are start dating. Like these are things you need to be working on and giving your attention to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I also think it's important. really important to recognize that other people are going to be able to see things that you can't necessarily see in the moment uh, right. about your relationship. And so, like if you're getting. <coughs> If you're flying too close to the sun um, in terms of your boundaries or um, if it's just not a good fit or right. there's a dark side to the person you're dating or whatever it is, um, yeah. like and all those things are, are absolutely – Yeah, that's right. And, and the thing that I want to make sure is stated clearly is that fornication completely short circuits your ability. Like it's – in the best of, of cases, the things you're saying are true that you don't see everything just clearly because you are excited, enthralled. Right interested but if there's fornication it completely short circuits your ability to evaluate yeah the person at all yeah you just don't because mm-hmm. all of a sudden the defining feature of the relationship is the sexual where do we have to go and what do we have to do to get alone together yeah mm-hmm. and away from the the watching eye yeah um so taking a little bit of a turn, but what do you say to a young guy that's like, well, this this conversation is totally not something I need because I'm not even dating. I have I work at Subway or Jerry's, Jerry's uh, Philly subs. Yeah, or we right. just ate. He's like, yeah. I don't even have a girlfriend. Um, now I'm going to be going to uh, Pizza Hut tomorrow night with my coworker, and her and I are going to hang out. Maybe go to my house afterwards and watch a movie. But we're not. We're just friends. Like we're not dating. Like what do you say to a young guy like that? He did. He doesn't have any need to hear your. Words about dating boundaries and I mean all I, that stuff. Right I, before I was a Christian, back when I was in high school, I remember talking about like going to prom and stuff, mm-hmm. and people were like, "Oh, we're just going as friends." And I just remember, even as a non-believer, being like, "That is the biggest load of crap." <laughs> like that is just not true. It may be true for you, but it's not true for the the person you're taking. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of you likes each other. Yeah, and one of you's hoping this goes well, hmm. whatever well in your mind. Yeah. would have entailed. And so I'm not, I do not support, endorse, agree with, or like 
platonic relationships, friendships between men and women. Certainly not when you're married. I think we'd all kind of say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably mm. not good. But when you're single, I'm left being like, this is a dating relationship. Like there is sexual pressure mm-hmm. that exists. The only time I would say that's not the case is if it's like your sister, mm-hmm. your fam- a family member, where it's like, oh, you want to go out to dinner with your sister and then go back, go back to your house and watch a movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in that relationship... There's not sexual tension. But when you put a man and a woman together and they're alone and they're having a good time together, there is going to be some sexual tension. I, I look back at everything you're saying right now with just so much chagrin at myself because I had a, a chapter of my life with a lot of friendships, um, a lot mm-hmm. of friendships, phone calls, text messages, and just platonic friendships that weren't headed anywhere, weren't going anywhere. And do you think that put like put me at a unique risk um, what are all, what are the downsides of that kind of thing well uh, for, the downsides are that you end up in the upside is you actually realize you like each other and you start dating mm-hmm. the downsides are some sort of emotional codependence some sort of oh I never experienced it. just kidding <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> joke yeah I mean it's just gonna become it's like well we're gonna be friends except that there's things you don't talk about in mixed company. Once you're married, you're like, there's things you just don't talk about in front of your wife or she doesn't talk about in front of you that you just, if you didn't know, you learn what's uh-huh. appropriate and what's not. And it's not because I don't trust my wife or love my wife. It's like, she just doesn't want to know about that or hear about that. She doesn't find that interesting or funny uh-huh. depending on what it is, Yeah, you know, but you put a young man and a young woman together and all of a sudden, like she's telling you all her woes and you're telling mm-hmm. her all your woes and we're getting all emotionally close and we're hugging, you know, cause it's sad and it's hard and it's like, there's a lot of dependence being created and it's, you're really close to now. Maybe it doesn't end up in some sort of fornication. I suppose that's possible, but I just can't imagine that kind of relationship going on for very long without there becoming some pressure mm-hmm. uh, on one side. And maybe the other person's completely oblivious to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of danger I mean Proverbs warns against the naive one that, that that lacks sense and it's like yeah I think young men who want to spend a bunch of time with girls just as friends is a young man lacking sense like you're going to get yourself in trouble and it can go one of two because on the one hand sometimes the the young man is the young man lacking sense and a woman comes and and essentially <laughs> Pursues him mm-hmm. sexually, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 catches him internet, and then I've seen young guys that do the same thing. Like right. I've seen, I've yeah, it's an interesting thing you said. We've we had a men's group I don't know, a month or so ago mm-hmm. where we were talking about this, and one of the things that we were studying was Proverbs seven, where the woman is described, the seductress, the adulterous woman, mm-hmm. is described as as pursuing, boisterous, rebellious, um, seizing him, mm-hmm. grabbing him, and one of the points that I made, and I think we have to get in our, in our minds, is that there. There are bad actors in this world who are women. Mm-hmm. That every sexual deviant is not a man. Mm-hmm. That there are women actually who are out causing harm and destruction and doing it on purpose and not doing it as a function of desperation or right. uh, having been um, put up to it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's what they do. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking before we got on air about um, the Ashley Madison website, which yeah. is like, what? that's what it's set up for. It's set yeah. up for women to be able to pursue relationships pursue, with married yeah. men. And so 
and vice versa. Yeah, and so this is not a, a foreign concept, but I think men. So I guess to the women, I would say, I mean, it may be simple, and there's there's a lot more nuance and more to be said about it. But initially, read Proverbs seven. Look at what that woman's like. Do not become her. Mm-hmm. Do not become a woman who preys on men, mm-hmm. especially on weak men. That's what she's preying on. As a young man who is naive, who lacks sense, who's a fool, mm-hmm. or at least acting very foolishly. Don't be the kind of woman. You should. A, a, a godly woman would see that kind of guy and would not want much to do with him because she's yeah. like, this guy's not going to be able to provide what I'm interested in and what I need. Um, but to the young men, I'd say there's women out there who want to who want to destroy your life. Right. Now, I mean, we've industrialized this with OnlyFans at this point. Yeah. Like OnlyFans is if, basically that on a big scale. Yeah. What if she's just she? Like I can hear the young man right now saying, "But Pastor Dave, you don't understand. She's not like that. Yeah. She's had a really hard time in her life. Yeah. She's been hurt. Nobody's treated her well. Mm-hmm. And you want me to be the the next guy to walk away and and leave her with no relationship for, for just." Just leave her, leave her alone. Walk away from her. Yeah. It's going to hurt her feelings. It's going to be damaging, and I feel bad about that. Are you really telling me to do this? Are you really telling me to? Yes. Delete her phone number. Oh yeah, I'm telling you to run away from that girl. Wow, fast. that's hard. Yeah, it's hard, but it's also there's this idea I think in Christian circles. I I didn't grow up in the Christian world, uh-huh. and so all of the sexual sins and stuff that are curious to Christian young men. Like I grew up in a place where that was, there was no shame in talking about it or mm-hmm. pursuing it. It was, it was lauded. It was a, it was cool. Mm-hmm. It was how you moved up the social ladder, mm-hmm. yeah. so to speak. And so all the stuff where it's like, Oh, well, we need to, well, I don't know. It's like, we were just out in the open and, and doing it because no one told us there was no, nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that society. And so what I find with with young men, especially ones who've grown up in a Christian context, is this, I call it, it's not my phrase, but I've heard it and I, I use it, um, white knighting. That guys want to come in and they want to mm-hmm. save the day. Yeah. They see this girl that's been hurt and harmed and abused and, and taken advantage of and chewed up and spit out. And she all she needs is a man who's going to understand her, understand her, help her. And lift her up out of this misery and this pit that she's in. Right. Mm-hmm. What typically happens in that situation, what, I, what I'll say is what's generally true of the man who tries to do that is he is a very weak, insecure man, mm-hmm. and he's in fact intimidated by stronger women or healthier women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he actually is afraid of them. And mm-hmm. so he goes and he he doesn't think of it or conceive of it as praying, mm-hmm. but he goes and finds a very weak woman mm-hmm. with no capacity to resist and maybe no desire mm-hmm. to say no mm-hmm. and then says well i'm going to do is i'm going to come in and i'm going to help her yeah i'm going to fix all her problems and what i've watched happen time and time again is he becomes her next problem right and in some and in other words that's with him being the the culpable the 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 initiator and all that stuff but if you were to follow the the storyline of proverbs 7 he becomes the next victim he becomes the one who's Who's taken, taken in? Her and house so, is full of bones. Yeah, and and so she's preying on him. There is a woman 
there's a woman that is a, a, that man is attracted to, and that woman is also attracted to that weak man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what I'm saying is, when you're preparing for marriage or wanting to get married, apart from loving Jesus and following Him, the next biggest decision you're going to make in your life is that will have the most profound impact on your whole life is who you marry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should want to marry someone who's got bags and bags of trouble yeah. with them. And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing in my own head, um, I don't remember who wrote the article about, about turns out guys don't want to marry want, want guys want to marry tattoo free, debt free virgins without tattoos. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm like, okay, here I am. Yeah. Yes. Actually, that's the truth. <laughs> yes. Well, does that mean it's okay? Why is there a double standard? Why do men get to go and sow the royal oats? I'm like, well, they don't around here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not without consequence. Right. Right. Like we're not, I'm not actually trying to advocate for any double standard. I'm actually trying to advocate for consistency where both sides are pure, not neither right. side is pure. Yeah. And, and it's worth fighting for. Right. And w- one thing you've talked about before is there's forgiveness and repentance, both for the, the praying man and the praying woman. Yeah. But the, the, the point you've tried to make is that the white knight is not actually God's way of salvation for the woman who has a problem in Syria. Yeah. And a woman who would want to do the, the feminine, feminine version of that in rescuing men from their problems, that's not actually God's way of, of rescuing them from, um, from the, like, you know, to put it in a in a nutshell, you are not <laughs> the one called to rescue the right. opposite sex from their troubles. And no. I I think you've even told a story before about you and your wife coming to a uh, before you were married to that counseling session where they basically said you you guys needed to get some space from each other because of the danger. I don't know. Can you mm-hmm. unpack that a little bit? That story remind yeah. me of the. I mean, our yeah, we so we dated for a while and then eventually sought out counsel. Um, about the relationship and I wanted, you know, how to progress forward mm-hmm. and the counsel from the, the pastor and his wife, um, who become Vanessa had become very dear to, um, they just said, your relationship is all messed up and you guys need to break up. Wow. This is, there's not good going to come out of this. You're building on a very, um, rocky relationship and it didn't feel that way. Yeah, um, but they said, "Look at where you came from. Look at, look at the sins that have been a part of your life." And they're talking, you know, to me, and say, and saying, "I would, the, the, you need to get more, you need to get clear of this. Like, there's a codependence that's not that, that's going to be very destructive if you guys carry on. Mm-hmm. You, you need to get distance, space. The dust needs to settle, and you need to sort out your faith and your." Whether you're a Christian, and you no know, speaking to me, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, completely apart from this girl, and it can't be done otherwise. And so that's what we did. Um, another pastor, as we were talking about that, described our relationship as as being an idol mm. to each of us. That mm. all of, and, and what he meant was all of our hope, all of our joy, all of our futures all, was all pinned to this relationship working out. Yeah, and. Really helpfully, he said that's that that is one of the surest ways you can ruin a relationship is to expect it to produce something that it's not made to produce and can't yeah can't can't provide for you. Only God can provide that for you, and so you've swapped out God for this idol, and it's going to go poorly for you. 
Wow. Those were helpful things for people to say to, yeah. to me. Yeah. <clears throat> what I think about is that there, we have biblical instruction on like who ought to help a troubled woman, and it's a Titus 2 1. Like the Titus 2 woman is the one given that job, and we ought to be able to recognize that, that something can be a duty of can be a duty of the church broadly, but not yours. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and maybe someone else has been given that job. And, it, and, and with that, if the person you're dating is actually marriage material, they will be happy to learn from a Titus 2 woman instead of you or an only God or godly man in the church instead of you. And um, you should be seeking out the kind of person who wants that type of instruction and wants, to, wants someone to come tell them what, what they're doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can't, I mean, the simplest way I've, I've found to say it is just, you're not God <laughs> and you can't save people in relationships mm-hmm. and you end up with like comforting someone when they're grieving or sad turns into fornication or adultery re- really a lot quicker than you think it would. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you get two people or one person that's really needy emotionally, they're going to be really needy physically as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact is they're going to have been, you're not going to be the first person who felt some compassion, wanted to help them and ended up being the next chapter of harm. Yeah. Pastor yeah. Dave, you don't even do like counseling sessions with women by yourself, right? No. <laughs> and you're a pastor. No, no, I would. I mean, if I'm going to count, if, if for, at least in our church, if, if there's work that needs, if there's conversations and counseling that needs to be done with a woman in the church, First, the first line of defense is just my wife or the women, the elders, the women of the church who are helpful will mm-hmm. actually just take the work on. Yeah. Now, maybe that um, that woman will come and both my wife and I will talk, you know, we'll have a conversation and stuff. But my wife's going to be the one that's maintaining a lot of the relational day to day checking mm-hmm. up type of stuff. I mean, right. if, if, I, if we, there have been times where my wife and I have been in that environment and there'll be a, there's a group text where like, I'm not even texting with that girl, that woman directly. Mm-hmm. There'll just be all three of us. So she can ask me questions. I can answer them. That's fine. My wife's yeah, privy part to of every, everything mm-hmm. that's, that's going on. And, and what I find is if people are not willing to have that help, if some guy finds this poor woman that's, that's in such a, a, a bad spot and he, and he wants to help her and it's appropriate. It's that he would have some impulse to want to help mm-hmm. it. The help he would be able to offer is, Hey, I've, my church can help you. Right. Mm-hmm. There's women at my church that can help you. And if the woman truly wants help, she'll accept that as help. She'll be glad to have that help. Right. Mm-hmm. And if she's like, no, no, I just want to talk to you. Or I just, you know, you're, you're some, whatever, whatever flattery yeah. comes out of her mouth. Um, there's something else she's wanting. Yeah. She's a, a Proverbs of, 5 woman. Yeah, wittingly or unwittingly. Yeah. For the lips of an adulterous drip honey and are smoother than oil. T- I mean, is her, is her speech. You know, insecure, naive men are really susceptible to a woman's um, affirmation. Right. And her eye contact. And so. Yeah. So you're saying, it sounds like you're saying that <laughs> getting married doesn't fix all these problems and and mean that I have a wife at home that, you know, since my my sexual needs are met by my wife, then I can develop platonic friendships with the girls at work. Um, I mean, this is almost too cheesy, Martin. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to softball here for you, but understand people are stupid. Men are stupid. 
Yeah, I mean, women are stupid, and there there is somebody listening, right? That has a friendship, they're and they're married, and they tell themselves it's okay because they're also friends with their wife, or there's some, like yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying, what kind of boundaries should somebody set? You said like you all set boundaries to not be alone together yeah. while you were while you were dating before you were married, but then what kind of boundaries does a young man need to set? Um. Is that is that just a dating rules no, boundaries? No, no. What kind of boundaries should we set? No, I mean, as there's married things, men in relationships. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I think all at least my thinking on it has all sort of been informed by the what's called either the Mike Pence rule or before that the Billy Graham rule. Oh my goodness! So, which is just that like we realize the risk and the danger, which is not to say the man can't control himself or all he ever thinks about is sex with every woman he's in a room with or anything like that's not actually what I'm right. I'm not saying that's the right ex- motivation uh-huh. for these rules. I'm saying it's just an acknowledgement that there is the potential for uh-huh. danger and people lie. Yeah. And that you would do well to avoid getting into a situation where that potential exists. Okay. And so I don't have any um, private communications Mm-hmm. The sustained communications. There are times where um, I just had a lady from the church call me yesterday and was asking me about an outlet at the church. <laughs> right. Like, we were plugging stuff in and we didn't So it's work. not like a wooden legalistic, no, like, like, I will never, ever. But yeah. I also know that her husband was sitting right next to her yeah. while she called me. And she was, yeah. and it was like we were on the phone for four minutes. And, sure. yeah. and, I, and my thought was when I picked up the phone was, huh, why is she calling me? She never yeah. calls me for anything. Right. Yeah. She must have a question. So right, yeah. I answered her question and we said goodbye. Um that so that type of stuff does happen. I don't refuse. Sure. Refuse, but if but if she said I, I need to come in and I need to talk to you, I would. There would be some, some be someone else around. Mm-hmm. We'd at least be yep. sitting in a public place where other people in the church can see. On a yeah. Sunday morning, I may. I mean, I'm not a. I will, would go talk to a woman at the back of the sanctuary. You know, as people are milling about mm-hmm. and ask her. You know, if we've been in counseling, I'll, I might ask her, "How are you and your husband doing? Are you guys getting along?" Yeah, whatever the issues are, and her husband may not be standing there, or my wife might not be standing there, but there's 50 other people standing right, there, yeah. and the interaction is two minutes long. Yeah, um, and so if that, some people might say that's a violation of the Billy Graham rule. I'm like, well, okay, well, I, then it's a violation of the Billy Graham rule, but but, but it's if, not a violation of biblical wisdom. No, like, I don't think so. And the, so, in my mind, the Billy Graham rule is just a it's a it's shorthand way to describe. Biblically yeah. wise interactions between the sexes, yeah, and yeah. there are always edge cases where you go, well, this. The issue is you don't turn those into a license for, mm-hmm. for dangerous. No, and you, know, you have to be honest. I mean, there's the adulterous woman, the seductress in Proverbs five, Proverbs seven is identifiable, and there there are women. If if you have wisdom as a man and you care about these things. You will learn to see what that woman looks like, and you will avoid her. Mm. And you would not answer her phone calls, and you would not respond to her texts directly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would not say, uh, hey, how are, how, how are you doing in the back of the church? Because it may be a very different context with her. Mm-hmm. And so there's there have been times in ministry where I've gone to my wife and said, I need you to handle care of this. Yeah, Jenny's, you know, you need to go deal with, you know, go help Jenny. Like, I'm like... And and it's not this conspiracy about about Jenny. I would tell Jenny that. I'd say, Jenny, I need you to talk to my wife about that. Like I don't talk to mm-hmm. she would know. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's not actually particular to you, but if there's the more vulnerable, the more weak, the more uh intimate or difficult the situation we're dealing with is, 
uh, yeah, you need to stay, we need to stay away from that, yeah. Yeah. that sort of situation. Because you think, oh, I want to help out the, 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 the harm and, you know, prevent, stop the destruction. And it's like, well, but what if you, through your foolishness or, or just actual, just sinful, sinfulness, make a bad situation much worse. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's better to avoid that. And yeah. so there are limitations to that need to be in place for that kind of those kind of interactions because I don't think men are men are not immune mm-hmm. to temptations. Like if you remember I, I asked at the beginning like do you think that people who end up in adultery like that they wanted to that they thought this is this is fine and good and normal. Right. Like everyone's what most people say when they've got when their relationships gotten to that point is is I don't know how we got here and I never thought that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, but it did. So let's trace out how it happened. And a lot of times it's just, it was a discounting of the danger. Right. Or some right. sort of pride that says, well, I can, I will be able to resist those situations when they, when they arise. And I think that's not what scripture told you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I think the thing I think about is with like, how you're going to approach avoiding uh, sexual sin is there's a reason that the the speed limit is 25 miles an hour in a school zone and 70 miles an hour on the interstate because the risk is so much higher in the school zone. And like people can say, well, I've driven through a school zone at 90 miles an hour five times and I've never hit a pedestrian. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like there, if you do that enough times, you will. And, um, and I think that, we, we should think more about, like, as we're approaching these relationships, uh, opposite-sex relationships or interactions, like, how what, what's, what's my speedometer reading here? Like, how much danger am I in? And we should try to think about that intensively. That makes um, sense. And just yeah. keep the speed lower. Right. Well, I think one of the things – I think one of the best ways to protect yourself against – Adultery, if you're married, has got to be cultivating a relationship, an intimate relationship with your wife. And by yeah. intimate, I don't just mean having sex all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean a close, vulnerable uh, relationship where honest. you're known and they're no honest. Yeah, yeah. Where those things are, where everything's out on the table. Where you say mm-hmm. we're working on building something here, and it's actually enjoyable. What I, what I what I have found is that. When you work on your marriage, when you and your spouse actually work on building your marriage, mm-hmm. you both enjoy it a lot more. Right. Yeah. That if one of you works on building your marriage, it breeds a lot of frustration and anger. And if neither of you work on building your marriage, you end up divorced. Right. And you might end up divorced anyway, even if only one of you works on it because of the other one's lack. Mm-hmm. But if if you're speaking to to men and they're like, well, what do I do to avoid it? I, I'm, like, I'm like, go home at night. Get get out get out of all of the other stuff you're involved in online, the things that are taking your attention, and yeah. be with the woman that you that you loved enough to marry. Right. Spend the time with her. Talk to her. Get to know her. Tell her about yourself yeah. and your life and your day and your worries and your fears and your angers and your frustrations and your joys and <laughs> ask her about hers and talk about the past and talk about the future and talk about the kids and talk about whatever it is that you're interested in, <clears throat> but yeah. spend that time with her. You'll find out that it leads to greater physical intimacy, which is a big help. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, the tendency we have is to, um, 
want to spiritualize these issues so much and say, well, um, just read your Bible and pray more. And, like, you should. Those are important things to do. But also, like, if you are married, like, drink water from your cistern. Just do it. It is very, very important, and the risks of adultery go down drastically if you are regularly drinking from your own cistern. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's simple, but I think, you know, let let the, let the, your, I don't remember exactly how it says, let your wife's or the wife of your youth's breast satisfy you at all times. It's like, mm-hmm. pour yourself into that relationship. Yeah. Don't spread yourself out over a bunch of relationships, and certainly not with other women. Like, mm-hmm. And stupid things like, oh, well, they're just, he doesn't understand me. I've heard a lot of women say, he doesn't understand me. I've heard it so much as to think that it might just be a systemic problem. <laughs> and... If you stop trying, yeah, you'll reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. So if the husband stops trying to understand, he would actually agree. He'd be like, I just don't understand her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she wants to talk all the time, or she wants to talk about all the same <laughs> stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, or Welcome to married life. Well, and here's the thing, dude. You're not nearly as interesting as you think you are. <laughs> like, she mm-hmm. has, she, she's probably just nice enough to not tell you how boring you are. <laughs> And how uninteresting a lot of the stuff that you're interested in actually right. is to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's much more gracious in the relationship where you're like, well, it's just boring. That's where we talked about that. And it's like, well, you're also not good at cultivating and sustaining relationships. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could learn something here. And yeah. maybe there's a benefit to the inefficiency of talking about it more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not actually about the destination. Nope. There's not a point to the conversation. The conversation is the point. Well, yeah, but as long as you don't mean that in a derogatory way, and the reason I'm reacting to it is because I, I'm I like efficiency, and I like, I like let's talk about it quick, let's let's figure it out, let's move on, let's make a game plan, and right. once that you know if we can't do all that or if that's done already, what else do we need to do? And it's like relate, yeah, and and like so, actually have that connection, yeah, yeah. and I, I mean men, you'll actually here's the thing: the reason you don't enjoy it is because you're no good at it. And the only way you're going to get good at it is by practice. Mm-hmm. If you ref- if you decide that what you're going to do is lust after strange flesh instead of working on it, you will destroy your house. Yeah, you will destroy your house. There's a um, the Proverbs uh, six thirty two says the one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He uh, he would destroy himself. Who he who would destroy himself does it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, well, it's hard and it doesn't make sense and I don't know how to do it, it's like, well, yeah, that's right. So learn. Mm-hmm. The other option is destroy your house. Yeah. And there's corollaries with women in the ways that they can destroy their house and make be so unpleasant um, toward their husbands that he doesn't want to make effort. And uh, what what that woman will find out is that men will pay attention to her if she pursues them physically mm-hmm. and is needy with them. But if she's, if she's willing to be needy with a stranger and not with her husband, mm-hmm. then she's an adulterous woman. She's mm-hmm. a seductress. And it's not all her husband's fault that she's behaving that way. Wow. Um, yeah. And so you have to, in marriage, to protect yourself, to protect your, your marriage against adultery and yourself against fornication before you're married, you have to take ownership for yourself and stop making excuses for, well, this other thing, this other person did this thing or this thing happened to me in the past or really all of that. While it may be true, mm-hmm. it is not an excuse for the choices, the proactive choices that you're making. Mm-hmm. And so you ought not to give any 
quarter to that or any 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 room or latitude to those to those justifications because you will reap what you sow and it will be destruction yeah what i think about too with um like the man who feels like his wife talks too much um a lot of the times what's going on there is that you're not being vulnerable enough with your wife that you're not being open with her and she's reaching out to you to try to make a connection like that's what's actually happening in those interactions yeah and it's because you're not being you're not taking steps to be proactively open with her and share your your life with her and your hopes and dreams and 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 desires um and that that's the thing that she's going for and she's just trying to prod that out of you sometimes um and i yep. think that's a lot of what like the men who get frustrated with their wives like they just need to try to understand what's going on in those interactions and live with her in an understanding way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to have the humility of, to realize like you're, you've got a lot of growing to do and Mm -hmm. your wife's trying and you need to be trying and that there are real threats out there to Mm -hmm. from that come from within you and from outside of you, from other people that would destroy you. And that Satan's behind those, those temptations and those, uh, those people and that you you have to resist them you have to get away from them run away from them and it's like well well if i do that so you're telling me that the woman who uh flirts with me at work is a problem and like what am i supposed to do and i'm like i i I don't know particularly but you may need to quit your job yeah wow i I mean i'm not saying that's it has to be the absolute first step Mm -hmm. like i would probably but it has to be on the table you're saying i would probably go file a complaint with hr i probably i would address it head on yeah like I would probably try to make that woman feel really uncomfortable. Don't flirt with her, and then go, and then go. Uh, <coughs> right. Yeah. Don't report yeah. to HR. Right. <laughs> Start but, with doing. Be be a man. Man up. Conf- confront mm-hmm. or deal with in whatever small way you can on yeah. a personal level, and then escalate. But it, yeah, but the first thing is I would do is I tell your wife what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Tell your wife. Say, hey, there's this woman. She's you know. This is trouble, and what should I do? And if your wife's like, "Well, I think you should report it to HR," or if she's like, "I want you to find a new job," yeah. then that better to have that discussion now than in six or eight months when, for sure, the sin's gotten hold of mm-hmm. of you guys in some way, and now she's reporting you for something you did, and now everything's really falling apart. Yep, sin destroys people because they don't do basic. We because we're sinners, yeah. and we do. We, we refuse to do the basic things to keep ourselves from fornication, adultery, and the sins that come to destroy us. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of this conversation really comes back to we have too low a view of the sinfulness of our own hearts. That, like, ultimately, we, we think that, like, a lot of these sins that we talk about, like fornication or adultery, are, are, are sins that other people would commit, not, not sins that we would commit. Yeah, it's hard to plot out the course of your own destruction because that's not where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But lots of men end up there. Yep. Lots of women end up there. Lots of marriages end up broken and falling apart because they took steps to get there. Yep.